1: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today's uh, episode, we're talking about episodes three and four of The Captain. Scott, it's just the
1: Mets. It's just the Mets. It's just the Mets. Oh my gosh. You know, when in the moment when you hear that from him saying it and like everybody around him is like, I know when, when you know, the the cameras were quote off and they're, the, the whole set is just laughing about that because they, I think everybody in that room, is, a lot of them are fans and they understand like how that comes across. Also, the fact that Derek Jeter is also saying it and saying that that's how they felt, man, that's got to cut deep for a Mets fan. That's just going to piss them off even more. That's That's why they're so angry, to be honest. They know it. <laughs> and they were right the whole time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's also on the on the flip side. Jeter's talking about how it's all anyone was talking about in the city, and he was thriving on that energy. So yes, he's saying it, kind of, you know, tongue in cheek. It's just the Mets, but it was bigger than other series they had played, and he even admitted that as well.
1: Right, but the whole point is just the Mets. Just, just, just the take them. Mets. <laughs> they, I mean, they they also he said a very similar thing though. You know, I, I don't think it's about the Mets necessarily. It's more about Jeter's mentality in, yeah. in approaching all of these situations. The guy was cutthroat, and I think we're seeing that even more so. If 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 people didn't realize how cutthroat this guy was on the field with his relationships with everything that he did, it had to be a certain way because that's just what his mind was. But he said the same thing about the about the Red Sox. Eh, they'll find a way to screw it up. You know, like it's it's just it's the Red Sox. They'll find a way to screw it up. The, uh, yeah,
2: the thing that came across in these episodes is you do not cross Derek Jeter. He will cut you out of his life. And he even said, like, maybe this is kind of a character flaw in myself is that I cut people off and maybe I'm too quick to cut people off. But once you do cross me. I have to cut you. I can't let you back in. You can't get back on my good graces. I'll have acquaintances. I'll be cordial to you, but you are not in my inner circle of trust. You will never be back in my inner circle of trust. Which I kind of have to imagine. Some of his
1: guys in his inner circle of trust are always kind of on guard, like shit. Yeah. Don't say anything stupid. So we can we can kind of talk about both of these episodes together as we as we uh as we've kind of recapped. First of all. Two hours in one night after a Yankees game—it's <laughs> a lot. It's a, lot. It's a lot. I'm not going to lie; it's a lot to to get through. I mean, it is must watch. I am glued to this, but I I'm going to rewatch them. What I, I will tell you: what I'm so happy, and I was thinking this during it. I, man, the the music choices are just so freaking good with this thing. Just to 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 evoke the emotion of of um, the clips and such. Really, they're very good. The Sinatra in the beginning of um, three uh, when they're you know that's life with the clips which it was just perfect i got i got chills for that but i'm so happy that these are here now so that i can walk through what i was thinking in my head is that when kep is old enough cuz he's not old enough to really remember or know of this stuff right now but in a few years when he gets to that point where he's just like you know uh 10 9 10 years old where he's like you know uh, very um very impersonal very impressionable um i'm just glad these are here so that we could rewatch them because it really mm. does capture it captures the '90s. It captures Derek Jeter. It captures just so many things of of what I f- remember as just like bliss as a Yankees fan. Really well, it does. It captures it all really well, and and shows why this guy was such a impactful person in in my life. And I, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm realizing how many things and how how big of a how big of a role model he actually was without me even acknowledging it or realizing it. But just like some of the things that he does and talks about, like, I, I know that I, I would up, uh, approach certain things like that, whether I knew it or not subconsciously, because he was such a, an important person in my life as a sports figure. It's just crazy when you think about that type of thing. And you think about the, sub, the, the impact sports figures have on your life when you're that impressionable and when you, and when you see them um, doing the things that, that they're doing. It's, it's kind of crazy. And that was, that was definitely, ma- it was made clear to me in my own brain watching three and four here.
2: This is a conversation we were having before we started recording. So we've got Logan Logan on the recording here too. The three of us were, obviously Scott and I, you, were, you and I are closer in age, but we all have different connections to the Derek Jeter era because we all experienced it at different points in our life. 96, you were 16 years old. I was only eight years old in 96. Logan was negative, whatever, 10 years old in 96. When you were born, Logan, I always forget. And it always pisses. Uh, me. It always pisses me off, right? So we all are going to have much different connections to Derek Jeter in that era of Yankees baseball because mm-hmm. you experience them at different points in your life. Like I, at 10 years old, I'm concerned with m- much different things than what you're concerned with at at 18 years old. Okay, just everyone very, listening. Very true. Think back to when you were 18 to versus versus what you were 10. All I cared about was baseball when I was 10 years old. I cared a lot about baseball when I was 18 years old. I cared about some other
1: stuff too when I was 18 years old. You cared so, about baseball in different ways though, too. Different because, ways. Because at 18, your the competitive nature of you as a fan is at at in in high gear at that point. As a 10 I'm year old death
2: with your friends. It's, it's as
1: if, a, you, if your friends have bragging rights over you. It's that's it. At 10 years old, you're still in that bliss era where you're yeah. like you know these guys are 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 more than more than men they're they're, they're almost they're like,
2: like fictitious like yeah. beings the superheroes exactly. like it's like yeah i watch them on sports center like i see these guys hitting home runs on highlights but they're, they're like it's so far removed that it's just like it's like watching a, a superhero movie
1: correct and then at 18 plus you know when you're in your 18 to to i don't know 24 25 you're just you're you're so emotionally charged and you have these uh much more competitive emotions. You're right because a lot of times you have friends that are either on, you know, fans also, and you feed off that energy, plus alcohol, and you also feed off of the people that you the know that are not fans. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't ignore the the mix of alcohol with the emotions in sports. Uh, it, it definitely ramps things up, no doubt about it. So, um, so
2: yeah, the thing that I really loved about these two episodes is it focused on the different rivalries and personal, um, one-on-one relationships that Jeter had with key people, G- it, it, you know, Jeter Clemens, Jeter, Arod, Jeter, Nomar, Jeter, George Steinbrenner, like th- that's really was the focus of these two episodes. And, the, and over the course of, I guess, 1999, when the Yankees acquired Roger Clemens, th- this covers through 2004, when the Yankees acquire Alex Rodriguez, that. 5 6 year span of Jeter's career and Jeter's life and how these relationships were were shaping who he who he was as a person and who he was as a baseball player super interesting stuff
1: really interesting stuff you're right and i think uh, understanding those those relationships really does tell you the story of, of gives you gives you just like the background of of why things are on the field as well it it, it helps with the context of of different situations and also just the way that they approach i mean like that's the episode 4 man the, fir- the 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 first half of episode 4 you, you know up until 2000 uh, up until 2004 before the alex rodriguez um it goes into that, that that was tough to watch i'm not going to be honest i'm not going to lie it's, it was losing an mm-hmm. 01 you yep. deal. You have all one. Then you have the emotions of the 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 Red Sox. Like there, there is emotional roller coaster in episode four that takes me back to the way I felt in all of those moments, which are which are two of the most emotional moments of my life. When, when I think about when I think back of like you know being a being a sports fan, but but also two thousand one, way more than being a sports fan. So there's a hell of a lot of emotion. I'm bracing going myself, back to those. Yeah, I'm bracing myself for the beginning
2: of episode uh, five. Because yeah. we all know where it's going to start. For sure, not going to be an enjoyable fifteen minutes.
1: No, and you're you're just uh, it, it does take you through that roller coaster, but it's you know it's it's part of the story. It's part of the story and part of why um, you know when they when they're talking about two thousand one and just hearing how Jeter took that, not surprising at all. I will say one thing on the field that still pisses me off to this day is Craig Council getting hit by that ball. My God, was he over the plate? My God, was he over the plate on that on that hit by pitch? And uh, if that was called, how things might be different. But um, well, you know
2: what's also a play from that that I f- constantly forget about is Brochu's not throwing to first; he would have had the double play easy. Yeah, on that bunt, and and that's just—I mean—they I, were playing not the thing about the Yankees in that ninth inning; they were playing not to lose instead of to win, which is not how they played for the entire '90s run, which is why they won so many championships.
1: Yeah. It's it's exactly it. There's just that there was a killer mentality, and and they were looking for things. You know, we we had we had discussed before about how you, um, how you can you know the manufacture that chip or just look for things to fuel you. Didn't really have to look very far. It was just you know people wouldn't shut their mouth, uh, and you'd think that they would learn to shut their mouth going up against a team like this, or not to awaken a team that's you know maybe struggling and also. They just, they never did. And and the papers were always looking for it. They're always looking for it. And in today's world, they, you know, those things get magnified, but it also uh, sometimes can get caught into the noise. Whereas, you know, Be- Benny Agbayani in 2000, the, 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 what he says, or Eric Chavez, what he says, uh, that's put on the big yeah. screen,
2: like Eric Chavez. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know. about I, didn't, that I don't interview. remember that
1: either, but it's just, it's so magnetized in that moment because there's no other noise that that's, yeah. that's it. That's what everybody's talking about. And uh, you just, you have your own, you, you hear certain things about what people responded to how they responded to it. And now you have what's in your own brain and nothing else. And it's just magnified. It's just magnified and it fuels. It really does.
2: I think, I don't know, maybe the documentary will get into this and we'll we'll see it. But I, I bet what we're going to see a difference between the championship era and then the next era, which was really, really good teams filled with superstars and statistics but could not close the deal, is that they didn't have that, that camaraderie, and they didn't have that mentality of us against the other guy. It was more individualistic. And I think it was Buster only who said it was like an island of misfit toys starting in 2002 after the 01 Dynasty ended. I find it hilarious. And ridiculous that George Steinbrenner, if this really happened, that George Steinbrenner told Brian Cashman after the 2001 loss, now we do it our way after just winning four out of six World Series. Like, oh, one loss and now we have to change things after this just worked for for six straight years. Like, I almost feel this is a narrative that Brian Cashman is is happy to push. That the signing of major free agents and constantly trying to chase the dragon was george's fault not my fault like come on cashman you're responsible as well so i i feel like this is a narrative that cashman is more than happy to let people think that it was george steinbrenner who did all of the bad acquisitions and it was me who did all the good acquisitions i don't know why i'm on a
1: brian cashman rant i just like that that little moment kind of threw me i i I think it's funny how you're you're saying this too, because I did not think that even even in the slightest. I was just like, in my head, I'm like, yes, of course. if if George saw one little one little weakness, one little gap in in winning because that's what they knew, then he was going to make it seem like it was everything was wrong, and he was going to go and do it, but that's just the type of guy he is. that's sure. he he always wanted control. And in fact, he couldn't have the control during that run because everything was going too well. So it was an opportunity for him to go do the thing that he knows how to do best: spend money and 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 like be loud and take control and do those things. So it was almost like a, a piece of him was like, "Okay, now that now that this little this little uh, party is over, the way you guys did it, it's my chance to shine." And and we see what happens. But what so, are we
2: talking about, Jason Jambi? That was happening but, no matter what.
1: Well, no, I, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Roger Clemens was definitely George Steinbrenner also. Don't, that, don't, was, don't that was, that was in, that was after the 98
2: season after they right. had the greatest team ever.
1: Correct. So he, he had already started doing this. That's just okay. a cocky moment for him saying that. And he was going to, you know, act like it's now it's, it's him. It's just, that's just George Steinbrenner, like re, re, re telling everybody that he's in charge and that nobody else is in charge. Can we take a moment to just talk about
2: the big swinging dick that is Roger Clemens yeah, just please. the cockiness. My God, even today, it I love it. Emotes through the screen, uh-huh. and I cannot get
1: enough of it. When <laughs> when he said, uh, "It was," I I wrote down the exact. This is quote. what I, this is this is what I was talking about the other night when on Sunday night, few few weeks back or a month back, whenever it was, when he was. Ta- this is what I was. I couldn't turn away because he was he was giving this off still. So they're talking about how Pedro
2: is constantly throwing at the Yankees in the 03, uh, 3 championship series, Clemens goes, someone's going to eat one before it's over. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: That's what you need on the yeah. other side of the field. That mm-hmm. is what you need. That is what the team did not have after 2003. I know they didn't win the championship in 2003, but who the fuck cares about that Marlins series? Honestly, like the Yankees, as we saw, didn't even care about that Marlins series, which kind of sucks that they didn't. Like Judo's like, yeah, we came out flat. That's on us. But it was so true. How do you, how do you, that, the, oh, the, the game seven, 2003 championship series for all intents and purposes was the championship of baseball that year.
1: That's the one that gets remembered. But, but still, if the Yankees had won the world series that year, also, it just would have magnified even more what happened. It would have. The the Yankees were, it just, it's just also a reminder of how goddamn close the Yankees were, 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 were to winning you know, six, seven championships yeah. in that, in that, in that era. Like they, they were so
2: close to. I mean, they weren't necessarily close in the 03 World Series. They lost in six games. They got dominated, but they were obviously super close in 2001. They were in six games of the World Series. No, I, I know, I know, but and that, yeah, yeah. I get your point. Yes, the Clemens thing, though. Man, <laughs> I just, I just, I just loved everything he said in this episode. And Jeter was like, yeah, when we acquired him, I didn't like him because he was (laughs) always throwing at us. He was always instigating. He was always trying to fight us. And then I realized what a competitive player he is and why it's good to have that on your team and you accept him. So it's like we see, okay, these relationships, Jeter, he was, Clemens was on the outside, but then he got on the inside because he was a good teammate and and Jeter could respect that. Then we see other guys, A-Rod, he was on the inside because there was a lot of similarities. We both came up. Around the same time, shortstop superstars. He was on the inside. You cross me, you're no longer
1: on the inside. So, obviously, he respected everything between the lines more than anything. If you were out there and he said this, if you were out there and you were competing and winning was the only thing that mattered to you, we had no problems. He, he even he talked about it with his issues with Chad Curtis. Uh, you know, after such Chad Curtis,
2: such a freaking tool. yeah.
1: Isn't he? Isn't he just like a, a super bad guy now too? The uh, there's a, is he? There's, a few, I, I think so. I think, think you're thinking of John something. Wetland. No, he's a bad guy also. But I'm pretty sure Chad Curtis. is. is Chad too. Curtis a bad
2: guy. Logan, do a quick Google search. Yeah, tell me, me if I'm Chad not. Curtis. If I'm
1: slandering Chad Curtis. For I no thought reason, he's just then. a
2: super religious guy, which is fine if you're super religious. But he tried. I have to, no
1: problem with people that are religious. He tried to. Ser-
2: he tried to police the clubhouse based on that. It's like can't play can I read, music. Can I yeah. read the first
3: article that pops up? Just the title. Please. Chad Curtis out of prison after being convicted of sexually assaulting uh, teens.
1: Okay, also, That's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there that is. Okay, I stand moving, corrected. Moving forward, the uh, you, you had to be a competitor between the lines first and foremost, more than anything, and it didn't matter if he was your friend off the field. Okay, that said, Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter didn't choose to be friends necessarily. They were kind of put in the sub, uh, in the position, and then and then became. Uh, chummy because of the situation they were in and and the friendship that that ensued because of that because they were spending time close. Alex didn't know how to handle it. Uh, every, everybody says it, it's so very true. One person was about winning in the team and one person was about themselves. That is like the easiest way to say it because when you look at that, you you find all of the the selfishness, the insecurities and all of these things. And to, to Alex Rodriguez's credit and part of the eroticence as, as you had called it during this, Alex Rodriguez was very outspoken about his his missteps and why he believes he was in that and I as much as I I don't like Alex Rodriguez in general I I, res- I respect and appreciate him as he's getting older in life that and he's become a lot more honest with why he thinks things were why things are and and those are facts like yes there are there's always emotional baggage as a child and how you handle it and how it how it can shape you in different ways is a real thing and I do think that that was uh, part of part of his situation. But ever after the, the comments were made, and all of these things, and Derek Jeter just, just basically wrote him off in a sense where I'm going to keep you, uh, you know, I'll keep you close, but I'm going to keep you an arm's length away. The conversation to uh, when they had at the end of uh, episode four during the rain delay, and Alex Rodriguez is just, again, just sitting there trying to get his respect back, trying to get his saying, I sacrificed. I sacrifice and I, I, I will honor the, what I said to come over here. I promise you. I promise you. And Jeter's like, at that point, you got to respect him for that. But at the same time, not going to bring you back in. <laughs> not going to bring you back in. Saying it out loud, got to respect him for that. Still not going to come back in.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Do you think Jeter not letting a Now, listen, you're, maybe you're not going to let him back into the sense of like, oh, he's over for dinner with Gerald Williams back in, but you can let him back in to an extent where it is not going to affect the clubhouse and and the on-field play. Do you of think course. Jeter... But I don't know that Jeter did that or maybe it took too long for him to do that. And like that 4 team, we know they collapsed. And I think re- we all blame A-Rod for as the reason why they ca- collapsed, the Yankees acquired A. Rod. He was a poison to the clubhouse. The mentality changed. He he was sort of the poster boy for the collapse. What if Jeter played a part in that for his not being able to let that th- that little beef go?
1: I I, I don't know. It um, maybe there was something there at at, at at a moment, but I I really think it goes down to that. All of the emotions in that in the situation. That Alex Rodriguez, again, he's trying. I, I truly believe it's almost like it's like it's, you're trying to get the respect of your father back. That that was the thing. Like he understood at that point, there was nothing he could do on the field with the teams that he was on. Besides so go to this Yankees, take take the third base and try to earn the respect back. Like I feel like he wanted it so badly that um, so, that it, it, it overtook him. And I don't think I, again he's just he's not. He's not emotionally built like Derek Jeter, and, and that's a problem.
2: So, no, that's for certain, and he admitted it in the episode. He talked about how he had insecurities and, and, and in, what did he say, insecurities, and what was the other uh, self-confidence issues or self-esteem Self-con- issues? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, Self-esteem issues. There's yeah. no doubt he did. No so, doubt he did. He was very I impressionable thought- by people around him that were not good, too. That's the other thing. Jeter had a tight circle. Alex Rodriguez had a tight circle of the wrong people.
2: The A-Rod stuff was the most interesting out of two very interesting episodes. The boss calling Jeter to make sure the trade was okay. Jeter being honest that he wasn't going to say if there was a problem. Anyway, first of all, he said, I don't, I didn't have a problem. But if I, if I did, I wasn't going to say anything. I think he did have a problem. I think he was lying about that. He clearly had a problem. He clearly had a problem. Now, maybe wouldn't have changed the acquisition. That would have still happened. But maybe they could have gotten out in front of it before the season even started and it didn't start to, like, linger through the clubhouse, right? But it's April 20th and they're having a conversation in, in the rain delay in Chicago. That was super interesting to me to hear about that. But I thought what what was going to happen when Jeter said, I don't understand why at the prime of your career you're willing to move shortstop, go to third base, and come over here. What's your game? What Like, what's your angle here? What's your motive? I thought A-Rod was going to say, I came here to win. And what he said was, I came here to play third base. So really, I don't. A-Rod didn't have evil motives, but he still didn't have the right motive in wanting wanting to come to the Yankees. He should have just wanted to come to the Yankees to win because that gave him the best chance to win. But what he actually wanted was more spotlight. And he was willing to move off of shortstop and go to third base and play next to Derek Jeter if it would give him more spotlight. And so maybe if he had truly just wanted to come there to win and Jeter could recognize that, maybe they could have squashed some beef and just been good teammates because they're both trying to do the same thing, which is win a ring. And I think eventually in A-Rod's career, he figured that out, but it was like five years too late.
1: He he thought that coming over to New York and, and sacrificing shortstop to go to third base was going to be... The, the breaking of the bread between the two of them. He felt, I think, internally that I'm doing this selfless act. Again, This which becomes more of actual selfish motives. I'm doing this selfless act by going to third base and Jeter's going to respect me for that. And you're right. He went there. He did that, which, okay, great. Like part of that, you're, you're on the right track, on the right track. But if you're there to do that, to make the team better and to give the, the team the best opportunity to win, to have these two great players on the field at the exact same time, if he said that, if he, you know, made sure that that was the the, the clear motive and this was just part of it, I agree with you. I think it would have been different, but it wasn't. It, the selflessness that he felt actually became a selfish motive, I think, in the eyes of, of Derek Cheater, a little bit. And it was... It rubbed him the wrong way a bit. Like, I don't get it. Like, what are you doing? I'm a winner. I'm a competitor. Why would you want to try to come here and like, you know, get on my coattails a little bit? It's, you're not coming in for the right thing. And, and, and there was something about it and all the, the previous history of the comments and things like that just had Jeter goes back to what he said in the first episode. He's looking around, he's looking around at, at who, the peripherals who's around him. What's the angle? Why are you here? What's the angle? He even said it, like, what's the angle? What is the real reason you're here? Just tell me yeah. what the real reason is you're here because yeah. I don't believe what you're saying. And I still don't think he believes it necessarily, the the actual conviction and why he why he came over.
2: Well, I don't think A-Rod even knew. A-Rod, I think A-Rod was lying to himself, right? A-Rod thought he was there to just play third base and be a yeah. Yankee, but he really wasn't. He was there because he was trying to... to Get back in the spot. He was almost a Red Sox, right? That would have been, I think, awesome. They're right. That would have been awesome. Yes. If he went to the Red Sox, they could go head to head as shortstops on Yankees Red Sox. Now maybe the Red Sox still beat the Yankees in two thousand four. Probably. I don't know, but uh, but I do know it probably would have been the best thing for those two individuals.
1: <laughs> it would have been a damn good thing for the rivalry too. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I I actually believe, and this is this is part of why I have such a conflict in how I feel about Alex Rodriguez at sometimes, I I actually do believe that in the moment, he truly thinks that he's doing things the correct way. And it's right. so crazy to think that someone actually believes that, that it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. But that's
2: why he keeps making mistakes. I that's know why he keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over because he again. believes them. He believes that, he he's that, that he's doing, he's the, doing right the right thing, thing. but he yeah. doesn't have the right thing actually at heart. He has the selfish thing at heart. He thought, oh, I'm going to say I'm moving to third base to play third base and help the team. That's
1: the right thing. But that's not truly why he was moving to the Yankees to play third base. And we don't, I mean, I don't even know if the, the, the just the spotlight was it. I, I also think that it's part of being on the a championship a championship team with Derek Jeter. That, that, yes, he, he wanted to he share the spotlight. Thought, he he would have, yes. not, not even the spotlight, but he would have also... He he almost like assumed the championship would happen because Jeter right. was there and he was the winner. And now you're adding the better player, so right. we're gonna we're gonna share in the success and we're gonna be best friends again. <laughs> Seriously, a lot he of us longing for that emotional connection
2: again. He thought they were gonna be the step brothers. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Logan?
3: I know you have some so, thoughts on this. Yeah. So, not living through it. I just know A during the time with Jeter as, like, this arrogant, like, you know, just kind of, you know, wanted to, you know, the way Jeter kind of has implied him over the years before this of, like, you know, he was just kind of, like, there for himself, like, very selfish. I never realized that there were events, and obviously nobody really knew about this event in Chicago. I never knew that there were events that a like, tried to be, like, he didn't say when, but he tried to be, like, really, like, forthcoming and was, like, no, like, I respect you. Like I didn't realize, like, was that a theme over the years that he was trying to get on a- on 2s good side and just couldn't? Apparently, it, didn't it
2: was a
1: theme, but it didn't matter. That's the. But
2: thing. they like, tried to they, right. even before he came to the Yankees, right? Because the 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 relationship broke after the Esquire interview in December of two thousand, after Arod signed the massive contract, and the media played a part in it, right? Like that that Esquire writer was portrayed to be an absolute a-hole but at the same time his statement that hey if these comments broke up this friendship then it wasn't a real friendship right. to begin with and he's
1: absolutely i didn't think right. he came off as an asshole i thought he came off as a professional doing his job and it just it was what it was
2: yeah he, well i mean he, it kind of made him to portray to be an asshole. where he's like yeah, yeah i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna it, it, i don't care did about it matter these. no it didn't yeah I, he's like basically i didn't care about breaking up a friendship
1: i was trying to get the story fine whatever if any writer tells you that they're they're worried about For breaking sure. up a personal relationship about something that they're writing about that comments were said, they're lying to you. That's as long as it's job. the truth,
2: as long as, as long as, it's, long the as the truth. it's the truth, you don't convolute right.
1: the truth, but you're reporting what what the truth is, and that that
2: is literally their job. I mean, but, Arod before he came to the Yankees, sorry Logan, before he came to the Yankees tried to squash the beef with Jeter, right? This like fax that he was trying to send, he he wanted to fly, he flew up. To, to visit Jeter and apologize for his comments. And Jeter's like, yeah, I, I believed he was sincere, but it didn't matter at that point.
3: Right. right. We learned, obviously, like, we know, like, you know, Jeter's like a tough cookie. Like, he's, like, tough to please. And, like, that was his personality and whatever. But, like, I never perceived A-Rod in their relationship as ever really, like, like, he, like publicly, like, I kind of, like, figured, like, all right, like, he tried to make it work, and he tried to, like, you know, show Jeter, like, you know, like, I respect you, but like, I I never really realized that he ever did anything like that might've actually been more sincere than who gave him credit for If that makes sense. I mean, obviously. I, 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 I that's see what you're I was saying, coming the, that's the whole point from. is it didn't
1: matter. It didn't no. matter. It didn't matter. And it was all like the things that were done were just, were just him, you know, it was too late. It was too late. You, you The th- things were said and like, let's just move forward. And Alex Rodriguez could never move forward because he always desired the respect from Derek Jeter. And that was so very clear. And Jeter just, not that he didn't respect him anymore, it was just, he's just like emotionally cut off. Like, okay, I'm just going to go forward, do my thing. You're going to do your thing. And it just doesn't matter anymore. And and that that could never be accepted. I
3: mean, I don't think that he could not accept that. I don't think that he ever really accepted it. Like, do you remember a couple of years ago, he was. On the field in Miami in full in full Yankee gear, trying to teach Miguel Andujar how to play third base in Miami, like comes out of the woodworks and oh, Arod yeah, A-Rod, A-Rod, and he's A-Rod. on the field in Miami in full Yankee in in a full Yankee uniform, and it's like, what do you yeah. do? Like, there are motives, there. you know what I mean? Like part of
1: part of the Alex Rodriguez Yankees thing always rubbed me the wrong way because even still, like lingering with the organization, because I still feel like he wants to be Derek Jeter, and I think actually that that pisses off Jeter uh looking at that now too he's like what are you doing in my house like just stop it get out of my
2: house but also jeter was uh ceo and part owner of the miami marlins which is where a rod grew up right you don't think he had had any extra motives there like oh this is an opportunity and it just happens to be in a rod's backyard okay sure
1: I mean maybe maybe it's just like a little bit more of that cutthroat but I again I just don't think that it matters that much. I think I think everybody's I think that statement would be giving Alex Rodriguez uh too much credit in Jeter's head t- to be honest.
2: Yeah, they uh, I think Jeter wanted the relationship to just be we are teammates, we're both trying to play the best baseball we can. That's it. And A-Rod yeah. was still trying to get back Close love me, Jeter, like me, and it was never going to happen. And that had to have permeated through the clubhouse. It had to have permeated. There's, There's sure no way is. you can you cannot ignore that. Like not just because of the backstory, but just like you're you're with these two people 24 seven. Essentially, you know you know when someone's trying to like like a little puppy dog look pet me, pet me, pet me, yeah, and you're yeah. just getting shooed away.
1: Yeah, just like relax, go lay down, go lay down. When it's your turn, I'll tell you when it's your turn. But and the same time, it's just. Alex Rodriguez's demeanor, period. Uh just the way that he the way that he plays the game, the way that he carries himself, like we the way that he talks, like everything about him is just is just not the Yankee way. It's just not, it's it's I wanna be the Yankee way, but everybody knows it's not the Yankee way. You and say it's the just Yankee like this barrage.
2: You say the Yankee way, and
1: it's the, like I'm, I'm I'm referring to like the The clubhouse as it was in the 90s into the early 2000s, it was that Yankee way. I'm not trying to make this like a a euphoric bigger thing, that Yankee way. He could never do that. He was not that type of player because all of those players, including the superstars, had to be selfless when they walked in the door. It was a requirement. And he is not that guy. Even though he thought he was that guy and said he was that guy, he's not that guy. When you talk to him on a daily basis and you play with him, they knew it. A a loss did
2: not affect Alex Rodriguez the same way it affected Derek Jeter. Jeter said, a big reason why that group was able to win four championships is because we all took losses personally and it bothered us and we kept trying to get better. Whereas once 2001, the loss happened and O'Neal already knew he was retiring Brocious knew he was retiring. Tino was a free agent. He wasn't getting re-signed. So much of the core veteran leadership on that team was leaving. The mentality changed. Jeter was still pissed off. He's in the prime of his career. He still wants to win every year. But other guys were at peace with the fact that they had just went on this dynastic run. And yeah, okay, maybe the dynasty's over, but that's okay. Look what we accomplished. I th- They said that. In it,
1: it right? No, like, is dynastic a word, or did you just make that up? That's a good I one. Don't if it is. I don't know. I don't know. But I
2: remember reading Buster Olney's book, The Last Night of the Yankees Dynasty, and he had a big part in there about how Mariano was at peace with the loss and actually came to grips with it and is okay, was okay with it. It was this story about how it, it potentially saved someone's life because it was a player who had two flights booked. Logan, please Google this story quick. There was a player on the Yankees who had two flights booked, one for if they had lost and one for if they have won because he was going to stay on the parade. And then the flight that he would have been on crashed or something like that. So like Mariano, who's a super religious guy, was was um was like, Oh, this was fate. This was meant to be. I, I I saved a life, sort of thing. But Buster talked about in that book how there were players on that team who were more okay with the loss. And she
1: just sitting there, no, we shouldn't be okay with a loss, whether it's whether we just won four or not. The I think the emotions of the two thousand one loss, as well, on the, as yeah. a competitor, sank differently. So Jer- Derek Jeter, the competitor, was just like, "That's you know this this is not correct. This is not the way it's supposed to happen." I think a lot of other guys, especially the veteran guys, when you're, as we know, when you're in different places in your life, when you're in in uh, a different phases, you think differently about situations. That whole run from September 11th or whenever they got back on the field, what, September 18th on through the World Series. We heard it and saw it uh, in the in the B-roll clips talking to the fans. It was, it was healing. The entire run up into the World Series was insanely important to get to that point. Did they finish the World Series the way that it was supposed to go down? No, it didn't. But I think a lot of those guys, when they took a step back, they realized that getting to the point, doing the things that they did to get to that moment, to the game seven, to they 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 brought the fans all the way through the the last moment of baseball, and they had them uh, thinking about different things, things that would distract them. I think when they look back on that and they they realize what what their role was in that situation in life, that losing the baseball game was an easier pill to swallow because of the good and 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 enjoyed that they brought people in a really tough time. And people were very outspoken about that exact thing because it was, it was a, the the entire playoffs were part of the healing. If they had won the world series, yes, it would have been the, the culmination of that. It wouldn't have, after the world series was over, it wouldn't have changed what was happening in real life. But at the same time, the, the run did help people heal, I think. And, and I think that that sank differently with different people different players
2: i forget who it was quoted i think it was tino or maybe it was bernie who said we weren't tired physically we weren't even tired mentally we were tired emotionally and that was an obviously an emotional month of baseball and they were emotionally exhausted and were very close to
1: finishing it and that didn't Um, i don't think that affected what happened on the field because they were you know a pitch away from winning the
2: world series they were all the diamondbacks were freaking loaded Loaded. yeah and they came back yankees had. they came Go look at Go look at the statistics of that World Series. The Yankees got dominated. Yes. Dominated in runs scored, batting average, ERA, everything. They got dominated. The Yankees, when they lost, got blown out. And when they won, somehow scraped across a win on some freaking miracle. Byung Young came through 73 pitches and then came back the next night. Holy shit. I didn't know it was 73 pitches. But like, yeah, you just they just found ways to win three games and almost found a way to win a fourth game. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So let's, uh, I don't know. What, what are the things there was, there was a lot of fun nuggets. I guess we'll just fire through them quick. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: hold on one, one, one liner after, uh, after two thousand. Oh yeah. It was on
2: Enrique Wilson who Enrique Wilson, who, uh, was on that flight potentially that, that, uh, after I won, got one liner. Oh, he was
1: a player. I didn't realize that. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah. Teammate of Mariano's Enrique got you, Wilson. Got you. Honestly, owned Pedro Martinez. So the the I think the one of the lines that stuck out to me the absolute most was after the Yankees beat the Red Sox in 03, oh uh, three, and uh, they were they were interviewing the writers and and how the front office took the win and Steinbrenner oh, yeah. was like yelling at the bus. but Levine says take that you nineteen eighteen <laughs> yes. pieces of shit. That's I great. hate Randy Levine with a I passion. love that quote. Though. It made me feel like Randy Levine was a human being you know, no, a bit and I like No. It. Do you know why? Because Randy
2: Levine thinks he actually was like beating the Red Sox. Shut
1: the I absolute care. fuck I up, care. Randy Levine. It was I, hate I still you. I love <laughs> I love the cockiness of the quote and and how, how badly they were. to keep down. If it was anybody
2: else. If it was anybody else, a ball boy on the Yankees, I could get behind it, but I cannot get
1: behind pudgy oh, Face. I'm behind it. Randy it's Levine funny. saying that. It's hilarious hearing uh, hearing that come from his mouth. Um yeah, <laughs> I would have slapped him across the face.
2: <laughs> um, I loved Cone just completely trolling on the Mets for having the Baja men out on the field. That was hilarious. Like, what do you what are you doing? The Baja men out there singing. It's like we were gonna win this. The Clemens Piazza dynamic was super interesting. That's just a fascinating, absolutely fascinating matchup and you you really do see how Clemens pitched at, at, as as he how he got himself, you know, to where he was. It's just like the competitive nature, like would always knock a guy off. The superstar on the other team was getting knocked off the plate. If you were beating me, you were getting one, you were gonna eat one. It's just like that does not exist in today's game anymore. Like we talked about in the last episode how Matt Scherzer is like a dog out there, but even that, like he doesn't even do that because you can't really. No one does that in today's game anymore, but holy shit, was Roger Clemens just an animal.
1: Yeah, he was, he's, and he still has the same mentality, which is why, you know, you see the, you see the, just the raw stubbornness of the man because he's just not going to come back from the things that he says. He just, he's just not. That's just, he's just, he's just very much entrenched in one mindset and one mindset only. So, you know, whether you whether you like it or you don't it is what it is and it ain't changing you're not going to change that man like in, in, in any way yeah it's, i like it a, a lot as a competitor when you're watching what he did you know similar not 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 comparing the two even to the stretch of the imagination but when you see the the guy and this is what supports what jeter said you hate him but then you love him it's like have like josh donaldson we talked about this having him as the antagonizer on the other team and now he's on your team it's it's, it's just a different mindset you want that guy in your team. You hate him when you're facing him, though. Yeah.
2: The um, <clears throat> the the George Steinbrenner-Jeter stuff was interesting, too, how George, uh, of course, liked to attack the star player, right? He did it. He did it. As soon as he started owning the team, he would attack the star player, call him out in the media when they lost. He called Jeter out for not, not committing as much as he did when the Yankees were winning. And then they actually ended up filming that commercial when Jeter was hurt in 2003. And then George named him captain. Which the documentary portrayed to be as sort of like a final, final pairing of the relationship that George said it almost felt like he needed to do this to make sure that he, him and Jeter were were good. I thought all that was interesting.
1: Yeah, and and the timing of it, the timing of it is super interesting because of you know the way that he really led the team to welcome Hideki Matsui into, and ironically, yeah. it was because. Uh, it, it was it was done so in the public eye and out in the town, uh, and that was exactly what what uh, Steinbrenner was, you know, was riding him for. So I thought that whole thing was was an interesting dynamic and what really spurred that on. He he understood that it was actually leadership in what he was doing to bring this guy out and with the team and and to gel them together, captain.
2: And I thought Posada also came off as an, an absolute beast in this. Just one, he's yes. like, I wanted Kareem Garcia to charge the mound, like I yeah. wanted to
1: I wanted to go out there and fight. He was um, looking for Pedro. I, yeah, I love, I love hearing about it. I, it's to this day, it still it pisses me off so very badly watching uh, Zimmer hit the ground after Pedro. I, I, I hated Pedro more than I hated anybody. I think after that, I think I, I don't think I hated anybody more than I hated Pedro when I saw that occur. Um, what a scumbag! What a scumbag! After that,
2: and then um, I also threw up in my mouth a little bit. When Jeter was doing the interview, I think it was on ESPN, and they were like, you're losing Andy Pettit, you're lo- losing David Wells, you're losing Roger Clemens, but you're adding A-Rod, Kenny Lofton, Kevin Brown, and Gary Sheffield. I was
0: like,
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just again, that's, that's more of like the mentality, pay for some guys that have big names, have success, but you're, you're losing the, the core attributes of a winning team and why everything was so successful in the Derek Jeter era. That was I mean you look at that that whole thing too. It's just like it Derek Jeter didn't need all of the talent on the on the field. He, he just needed the, the will uh, and enough talent. And when you put it together, uh, how powerful that is. And, and it, it just to me, that reinv- reinvigorates the feeling that I have of like the chemistry of a team, the makeup of a team, the balance of a team, and how important that is. And you just can't throw dollars and big stars at something and expect to win; just doesn't work that way. It re- it just doesn't. So
2: I I know we talked most of this episode about A Rod and Jeter, but his, his the comments that he actually said to piss Jeter off, where he was saying you don't go into New York worried about Derek Jeter beating you. You worry about Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill. Derek Jeter's hitting second. He's got great talent around him. He doesn't have to lead. All of those comments, um, A Rod. Standing by them, to
1: this day, he's so out of touch, man. It just proves that he's still out of touch because the fact that he says he feels the same way again, he's still misconstruing in the in the way that the comments were received. He's not even he's not even perceiving them today as they were perceived and as they should be perceived in in writing. I mean, he he, he was slighting Derek Jeter. He was he wasn't making it sound like the team was a juggernaut and he was just part of that team and that they had to attack and think about everybody. He was saying you didn't have to think about Derek Jeter because of the other guys. That's what he said. He said that, and he still doesn't get that. It's so crazy to me that this man still can't understand the things that came out of his mouth, even to this day.
2: Yeah, I don't know how, because he said that in, he said that after the 2000 World Series, right? After Jeter had just won the World Series MVP, and the Mets had to have thought about him because he broke their backs with leading off a home leading off game four with a home run. Like I, it's just like, how do you how do you say that after that ha- fine? You say that before that happened, fine, but you say that after having just yeah, completely out of touch. Um anything Self- else you want to selfish, touch on selfish
1: motivations. Up? That that's selfish motivations again. And and whether they are you know conscious or subconscious, they were always there. They're always there. They are always there. To this day they're they're still there. And you know, and that's and that's what rubs me the wrong way. There's just little things in his in his demeanor and his mannerisms that still come off in the same way, and it it just irks me. It still irks me. You think Jeter's belly button is better by now? Yeah, I do. That's a great story. Oh yeah, that's what that one when when they uh, they caught him saying that one's probably not going to make the last cut. So that one made the cut. That's an embarrassing story. A bit like enough where he could probably it's let it go. It's really, not though. It's not embarrassing. But, but for him. So what I'm very very curious as to what stories were told that did not make it. If that one made it, and yeah. he thought it didn't. What didn't make it? He had final cut, right? He had final approval. Uh, I guarantee he that was part of the deal. Yeah, but so I'm it's sure like, this is a some- this
2: is a quote unquote embarrassing story. It's not embarrassing. I mean, the worst. It's like that sucks for Jeter. Your 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 clothes are all wet on New Year's Eve. It's like, well, now my night's ruined. <laughs> but
1: like, that's not an embarrassing story. But to him, like he was guarded, and that and that's that's the beauty of it. So that's why I, I'm really wondering which, which what was actually cut because that you know that they're way worse.
2: All right, that's gonna wrap it up for this. Really loved these two episodes. So there's two more next Friday, and then one more on August 11th, which is the the finale. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying watching it along with us, and we'll talk to you
1: guys on Monday after after the royal Series.